When you need to know what's happening, it's 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 time to get in the huddle with Brian Baldinger and Jason Lockie Porter. Welcome in everybody, Carl Dukes along with Jason Lock on four. Baldy is not here today. He'll be back on Thursday, but we've got a lot to dive into on this Tuesday. And coming off the weekend, Jason, we got to start with what we saw Sunday night and then yeah. Monday night. And I want to start with the Chiefs and Buccaneers because the Bucs were dealing with this hurricane. Yes. They were practicing in Miami. Everybody's talking about all the things they were dealing with adversity-wise. And here come the Chiefs. Last week, we saw Eric Bieniemy on the sidelines arguing with Patrick yeah. Mahomes, and everybody lost their mind. Yeah, you know, it's a week-to-week league, right? Isn't that what they say? And, and this certainly was uh, a very different week for the Chiefs than the week before. Finishing drives, getting back to Patrick Mahomes, shovel passes, and I don't know what that other one was down in the right corner there by the pylon, the pirouette and jump pass. And, you know, they were just finding ways to get seven and not three, and they built up a big lead, um, got the Bucks completely out of their game flow. I think if you had told Todd Bowles, hey, we're going to be like heading into the fourth quarter and Fournette's going to have three carries. He just said, no, that's not the game we're playing. That's the game that they played. Um, And a Tampa defense that has been truly elite crumbled and didn't have a whole lot of answers for what Mahomes was doing. And if the Colts game was sort of like the cautionary tale of what could happen in a worst-case scenario without a Tyreek Hill and without that second go-to guy – I think the Tampa Bay game was sort of like the opposite of the paradigm. Like, well, here's what, here's when spreading the ball around goes right. Like, here's what a real robust, equal timeshare offense could look like when everything's clicking. The offensive line from Orlando Brown at left tackle, straight on down, played a whole hell of a lot better than they did a week prior. You saw the Chiefs running the football. You saw Andy Reid able. Um, to do anything he wanted to do at any given time and have the whole playbook open to him. And Chiefs defense got after Tom Brady. Um, I don't know about you, but I I, I think you, you have to have – and I'm, I'm going to probably eat these words. I think you have to have at least a little bit, Carl, of, of trepidation about Tampa being able to pull this off again. I know it didn't look great through 12 weeks the year they won the Super Bowl. But just it, it doesn't look like things are going Tom Brady's way. Um, yeah, they'll probably get healthier, but they play a tough schedule too. Um, it just doesn't look like much is easy for the Bucs, and it might not be easy for them. Yeah, I think, Jason, here's my deal with them. And this is in the huddle, guys. We uh, want you to follow us, like us, and more importantly, make sure you get all the episodes. Make sure you're following us here in the huddle. The Brady situation with the wife. Let's start there with Giselle, all right? And I don't want to get too personal no. because I have no idea what the hell's going right. on, right? right? But we do know there's something there. And that has certainly played a role, which we haven't seen Tom Brady have to deal with in 20 years, okay? So put that aside. Then you look at the injury situation. Julio Jones, this is who Julio's been the last Yeah, Yep, right? this is what you bought. Yeah, He's been banged up. You, you, you've got, you know, Mike Evans banged up. Godwin's banged up. You're right. They'll get healthy at some point. But my concern for for Tampa is that, just like what you talked about, they're going to turn it on all of a sudden. Like, you know, over the next eight to ten weeks, they're just going to roll, you know, and and be eight and two over the next ten. I don't believe that. Brady did throw for 385, three touchdowns. He kept them in the game. But he was under duress, as you mentioned. And the fact that the Chiefs ran the ball down their throat 
is concerning. So I'll use this. This upcoming weekend, nobody will give the Atlanta Falcons a chance against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They just ran for 200 yards on the Cleveland Browns. I know the Browns have three guys on that defensive line that were out, including Miles Garrett. But, Jason, if you're looking at the formula, the Chiefs just showed you, and they're coming off of a game in which they just ran for 200 yards. I'm not going to tell you that the Bucs, this is a gimme this weekend. You know, So I just look at the the Bucs and I go, what's their identity coming off of where they were and where they are right now? And I don't know if this team is going to be good enough we're, what we're looking at right now to do what you're talking about, which is get back to a Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I mean, whatever's going on with Tom Brady, we do know this much. The man retired. First time he's ever done that. First right. time he ever told went into the playoffs telling his center, Ryan Jensen, you know, hey, bro, let's try to win today because this might – if we don't beat the Rams, I'm not sure I'm coming back. Like, that's the head, the mind space he was in going into the postseason where he was more certain than not that this was his last ride. So he's never been there before. Then he's never actually told people I'm retired and put out a statement and gone and enjoyed, you know, Life. not not going with Tom House to go throw in California two weeks after the season. He's at Old Trafford watching Man U, talking to Ronaldo. Turns out after that conversation, he's not retired after all. So this is a different Tom Brady than we've seen before. A Tom Brady who I think has to really know now this is absolutely it. And this group around me is probably not as good as the group. Well, I was going to say probably. Definitely not as good as the group that was behind around me two years ago. I don't have that center for starters. I'm missing both cards off that team. Um, and things aren't going their way. And, you know, the whole even the Bruce Arians thing, like he's there, but he's not there. There's a lot of stuff, right? There's a lot of stuff mm. going on there. And to your point, I think Atlanta will try to play bully ball with them. Um, I know we'll get into the previews, uh, you know, Thursday, but I think it, uh, Tampa's the better team. Marcus Mariota's going to have to complete more than seven damn football passes <laughs> to win another football game. I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, are we going to run the, the 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 single wing? I don't know what, you know, but but I think it'll be a struggle. I, I think the Bucks are telling you right now <clears throat> almost everything's a struggle for them. Yeah, they lose 41-31, and and that was the Sunday night game. Now, let's talk about last night's game, because guys, we're taking a look back at the week, breaking down games. Jason Lock on four, Carl Dukes with you in the huddle. Make sure you subscribe so you can get all the episodes as we move along throughout the course of the season. All right, Jason, last night, I'm thinking to myself, 49ers are banged up, right? Yeah. Garoppolo, say what you want as Garoppolo, but it was bad in Denver the week before. It was, it was bad terrible. in Denver. Yeah. Right? And I'm going, okay, here are the Rams. And the Rams are off to a slow start coming off the Super Bowl. And people talk about the Super Bowl hangover. You believe in that, by the way? You believe in that Super Bowl hangover thing? A little bit. Yeah. Okay. Because last night, they got after Matt Stafford. Defensively, yeah. the 49ers were pressuring him all night. He looked uncomfortable, couldn't get the rhythm with Cooper Cup. And yeah. meanwhile, Here's, here's that guy, Debo, making oh. plays for the 49ers. Yeah. Um, I thought – I really liked the under in this game. I thought it would be a defensive struggle. Um, I thought the Rams' best chance to grab a hold of it would be in the first quarter. McVay's game scripts have been really good. And Matt Stafford's been almost perfect in the first quarter. And, and that all came crystallized, except they settled for three, not seven, and then – I mean, it was really two plays for San Francisco, right? Like, their offense has issues, too. You got the 32-yard run, 
you got Debo being Debo on a 50-50 ball that could have been a could have been a house call the other way. It was not a yes. great pass. Um, and then Debo snatches it and then plays techno bowl the other half of the field and gets in. He's amazing. <laughs> but like that was their offense, you know, and everything else was it was kind of three yards in a cloud of dust. So yeah, it was under. Um and when the, the center went down for the Rams and you're down to a third-string center and you're not mm-hmm. sure about your left tackle and you're on a road at a place where you've struggled over the years um, and you, your quarterback is under duress, um, you can't be who you want to be. And you started to see nobody lives in 11 personnel, three wide receivers, one back, one tight end. Nobody does it more than the Rams. They they live in that. They're in it 98% of the time, and they dare you to stop it. When they had to start bringing a second tight end in, and when they had to start bringing the the, the, the the big receiver who they're basically using as a fullback, I think kid's name is escaping me right now. But when they start changing personnel like that, that's McVay saying, I'm loving to fight another day. I, I'm not going to – I'm not going to – if those guys get to 21, I can't get to 22. Right. So let me just try to play ball control – let me keep my running backs involved, and maybe we break something, but I'm not going to let Stafford get broke living um, in this personnel setting where their heavy people are beating up my light boxes. Uh, and so that that's what happened, and then that was game flow in the second half, and I think McVay um, is playing the long game for February, and it wasn't his night. It wasn't going to be his night, and you saw the Rams come up three points in the second half, and that's it. So uh, – I have concerns about the Rams' offensive line. I, I absolutely do. Without Van Jefferson and that that person, Cooper Cup does a lot of things. Cooper Cup's not running past safeties, like not unless you fall down. No. So that that lack of a Van Jefferson has been a big deal for them, and I still think that's where Odell Beckham ends up. Now, is it is it the Odell you know sprint guy out of LSU seven eight years ago? I don't know, um, but I I. I I talked to McVeigh over the summer um, on my radio show. He was pretty adamant that, like, what? we're going to get Odell. Like, yeah, it's just what a matter of what. Was, was he apologetic for everything that's going on? <laughs> hey, I love Sean. Sean is great. He's, he's great. Mean, he's, he's, he's great. He's awesome. He's uh, great. Bottom but, line tonight is we got yeah. our butts kicked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he's uh, he's he's one of my favorite guys in the league, and I do he think is. he will he will add Odell to that mix. And trust me, he's probably sitting down with his owner this afternoon saying, all right, boss, you've told us we've got an open checkbook, more or less. Our payroll's already over $300 million. Don't worry about yeah. the cap. Cap is cap is fungible. Our payroll's already at $300 million. We got Odell in our back pocket. Can I go trade for an offensive lineman, too? Mm. Right? Can I go get Tunsil out of Houston? Because that's a train wreck, and they're still not trying to win football games. What can we do to bolster this offensive line a little bit more to get where we want to go? It's a great point, Jason. Jason Lock on four, Carl Dukes. It's in the huddle. Baldy will be with us on Thursday as we look ahead to the weekend games, guys. We're taking a look back at what happened in the NFL. Um, and by the way, Kyle Shanahan, just real quick, did Kyle Shanahan last night, didn't he? I mean, we're just going to run the football. We're going to run traps and, and all this yeah. stuff. And you just don't stop it, right? check was killing people. Yes. It was just typical Kyle Shanahan stuff. Yeah, and the weird thing was Kittle really wasn't, in, wasn't involved. And by the time he got involved, the game really wasn't in question. But I thought check would have a bigger role in the second half. He did. Um, they're not consistently getting that 8, 12, 15 out of the outside zone like we've seen in years past. Now, again, they've, they've, they're – 
There's no Trent Williams there. Um, that offensive line overall, probably not as stout as it was a couple of years ago. Garoppolo seems to still be getting his sea legs under him after they discarded him the entire offseason. Um, and again, that you know, the the they're not running the offense with their first string running back. So, or at least who they thought was going to be. So when you factor all that in, and and you know, if you were to tell them, hey, four games into the se- into the season, you're we're, we're not going to run the ball like we thought we were going to run the ball. Trent's going to go down. Mm-hmm. Um, we're we're going to play in this slop in Chicago, right, week one, and find a mess around and win that. We're going to lose Trey Lance for the year. But here's where we are four games in, and here's what the rest of the NFC looks like. I think Kyle would have said, I'll take that. Under those circumstances, I'll, I'll, ta- I'll, I'll take where we are right now. Yeah, I, I can live with that. It's a great point. I think you're right. And listen, as the season moves on, if they get healthier, you're talking about they're going to be a team to watch as well. Mm-hmm. We've got to talk about the Eagles, Jason. They're the only undefeated team left in the NFL. Um, I had them going to the Super Bowl. You know, we, we do these picks, obviously, sure. in the season before the season. And I said, listen, if Jalen Hurts plays up to his capability, they've finally given him everything he needs offensively. The defense is stout. They're my Super Bowl surprise pick, if you want to call it that. Now I'm, you know, we're five about to be five weeks in, and I'm going. He's playing well. They're oh, running yeah. the football. I mean, Trevor Lawrence in this game. Eagles beat the Jags 29-21, uh, but they were down ten points. And you talk about the weather, and yeah. they were able to overcome. Hurts only threw for two hundred and four yards. He did have a pick, but I thought he showed a lot of resiliency yeah. in this game. Yeah, they had to play from behind, which was new territory for them, right? They came out week one, were up huge on the Lions before they closed the gap. Um, they pretty much eviscerated a Minnesota team in prime time. That game was never particularly close. And then in week three, they have the nine sacks on Carson Wentz. They they tear his face off from the first drive on, build up a big lead at the half, and, and that game was over. So, yeah, this was the first time that game flow and, 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 and you know, the clock wasn't totally their friend and they're playing from behind. But they didn't, it didn't really change who they were. And I, and I think especially on a day like that, you alluded to the weather, it probably wasn't going to change who they were. They're, they're a really good football team. Um, that might be the best offensive line in football. Baldy could speak to that in a way that I never could. But uh, they, they I can tell you inside that building, talking to some people in that organization last night, like, you know, they, they feel like the, the fundamental tenets there is the offensive line is Jalen Hurts and how much he – just his work ethic, his dedication, how much he's driven to be great, and not just during the season, but year-round, like in the same way a Tom Brady or a Russell Wilson have been. Um, and then it's the improvements they made to a secondary. The D-line's been pretty good for a while, but linebackers, uh, defensive backs, they, they've had to upgrade over the last couple of years, and they've done that. Um I liked them preseason as well. I was telling people, hey, you can get the Eagles. You're getting the Eagles at plus money to win that division. You're getting the Eagles at big plus money to go to the Super Bowl. Um, I would, if you got discretionary income, I'd put a couple bucks on that. Um, so yeah, I'm with you. I, I think there'll be bumps in the road. I, I, I think through four weeks, there's, there's not really too many of these teams that I'm going to absolutely crown and say that's the best or that's who you have to beat to go to the Super Bowl. But they they can beat you in different ways. Um, and they've got a quarterback who, if he needs to, 
can just take games over in, in a multitude of ways inside the pocket and out. So yeah, I'm I'm bullish on the Eagles. I, I am. Um could they win the Super Bowl? I, I it's early, but I like what I've seen, you know. I like what, what I've seen. Uh we'll have to see if injuries play a role. But I, I look, I I think they're better than Dallas. I think they're going to win that division. Um, and I think they're going to be a team that's at least in contention for the for the bye. And we know how important that can be. I agree. Uh, and here's the deal, too. Nick Sirianni, listen, I gave him crap, you know, with the press conference and the, sure. the, the playing rock, paper, scissors thing. But you got to respect what he's doing. You got to yeah. respect that the guys have bought in and they're playing well. And the thing about Jalen Hurts, you know, watching him in the SEC, Alabama, transferring to Oklahoma, he's always had this calm demeanor, Jason, right? Yeah. I mean, like things can be crumbling around him. And yeah. he's just like, I'm yeah. cool. Yeah. And I love that about this kid. So, I love what you're talking about when it comes to the Eagles, their quarterback, and they're running. And Sirianni, listen, don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. He's great at RPO. Let yep. him run it. And they're yep. letting him run it, and he's doing his thing. So I don't think they're trying to change what Jalen does really well. Nope. They're just allowing him to do what he does well, and I think that's benefiting the Eagles. No, I'm I'm completely with you. They they kind of realized seven, eight weeks in the last season that – you know, we, it's great that we have all these concepts we brought with us from all these different people we've worked with. And, you know, we have these, like, philosophy that we aspire to. But you know what? There's other things we're doing really well right now. And we're not doing enough of them. And we got to recalibrate, you know, aspirations versus what, persper what we're getting the most out of perspiration when we're practicing and playing football. And, again, they've been a really smooth operation since then, and the passing game has continued to evolve. And them going and getting an A.J. Brown, I mean, I, I think that'll pay even bigger benefits down the road than, than maybe it has to this point. So, um, yeah, I, 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 they're going to win a lot of football games. I agree. And Carl Jalen Hurts is unflappable. Yeah. Well, he is. He just he's cool as as my man Stuart Scott used to say, as the other yeah. side of the pillow, right? Carl Dukes along with Jason Lacanfora, Brian Baldinger, also a part of In the Huddle. Subscribe, make sure you get all the episodes. We'll do them on Tuesday and Thursday. Thursday we'll look ahead. Today we're kind of looking back at what happened over the weekend. All right, let's talk Bills Ravens. Because I was super excited, Jason, about this game on Sunday. Yeah. I was like, oh, I can't wait. And then the way it ended, and I kind of felt some way about what Harbaugh did. Then he explains it after the game about, hey, we got to, you know, I need a touchdown. They get the ball back. Okay. I get it. I guess my bigger issue was the play call. Why are you, you, yeah, you. Why are you throwing a pass with Lamar in the backfield? I, I don't know. I just didn't like it, but they lose. Bills go down, kick the game winning field goal. What did you make of it? John Harbaugh doesn't trust his defense, and, mm. and he's not going to come out and say that. Like, you can't come out and say that. They're, they're only four games in. But they were 32nd They were thirty second ranked last year. They gave up the most big plays in the league. They couldn't get a pass rush unless they blitzed. Um, and anytime they faced a good quarterback, they got eviscerated to the point where they, they got rid of Wink Martindale, who the year before they're telling the whole world, he's the best head coaching candidate out there. Wink Martindale is a defensive genius. Wink Martindale's gone. They're bringing a 33-year-old Mike McDonald from, from from Michigan where John's brother is the coach, and McDonald had been an assistant coach with the Ravens, and they don't want him to blitz. They want to sit back. They want to zone it up. They go and give $16 million to Marcus Williams, money well spent, 
take another safety 14th overall who we'll, we'll get into that another time. That's not going so well. But regardless, no. they've got more cap space, more cap dollars percentage-wise in their secondary than any team in the league. They're not spending on D-line. They're not spending on linebackers. And they come out and they, they the same stuff's happening. We're, we're blowing fourth quarter. How did Tua Tungavaloa? They averaged, might average 13 yards of play in the fourth quarter of that game. They scored like 28 points in 12 minutes. They barely had the ball. They had the ball 19 minutes the entire game, and we blew a 21-point lead in our home opener. So it's happening again. And people are saying, well, they, they held Buffalo to 20 points to that point. Okay, they did, but let's go and dissect what happened in that game. All right. They, they live and die with take, takeaways. They get two takeaways early. They set the offense up. They build the 20-3 to three lead. After they stop getting take takeaways, the Bills have five drops. Four of them score. One, they got like 12 plays, 71 yards. They've got the like nine plays, 51 yards, field goal. They got like 11 plays, 80 yards, touchdown. Oway gets the sack. They get him off the field there. But Harbaugh knows what he has. He knows that they don't get pressure unless they blitz, and he doesn't want them blitzing here. And even if you sit back and play zone against Josh Allen, what's he going to do? He might just take off and run. Nine rushes for 54 yards in the second half. He knows they can't get a stop there. It's not Ooh. who they are anymore. Wow. So what's he going to say? Is he going to say, we still suck on defense? We drafted a kid 14th overall. He played 15 snaps. When people throw at him, the QB rating's 120. I got to hide him? Is he gonna, can, he, can he say that? Can he no. say, Adafi Owe, we took first round a year before that. He stumbled into a sack, but the dudes had more pass rushing snaps than any outside linebacker in the league, and he came into this game with zero quarterback hits. Can he say, we play Patrick Queen every down. Patrick Queen can't tackle. Patrick Queen can't cover, okay? But he plays every down because that's what we got, and this guy took him in the first round. So what am I going to do? Did you see Patrick Queen lose contain on Josh Allen's bootleg touchdown? Do you see what happens every time they throw the ball to Singletary? Do you see his passer rating his entire career? Who gives up more yak than Patrick Queen? So this is what hand I've been dealt. I can't blame them, so I'll blame the kid from MIT who's in my ear for giving me bad advice. I'll, I'll take that hit. I'll blame analytics. I, I can't I, I can't blame I have no blue-chip bleeping players on my defense. I can't blame all these drafts that have sucked. I can't blame $8 million for Michael Pierce. He barely played football for two years. He's already gone. I can't blame, my God, Calais Campbell. Every year we say we're going to re-sign him to play 33% of the snaps. He's playing 70% of the snaps. They got JPP off the street. They got no outside linebackers. He played the whole GD game. He can't say that. <laughs> but, but I wish he could. But that's what he's telling you, okay? okay? That's what he's telling you. Now, the play call sucked. They, 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 they were getting whipped and empty the last three quarters of that game. When they went into empty at the goal line, I'm thinking that's not good. No. They're playing without a left tackle. They got a developmental right tackle, Daniel Falele, a rookie, playing left tackle because the personnel department bleeped that up too. Oh, yeah, Ronnie Stanley would be fine. No, he won't. Ronnie Stanley's played one game in a year and a half. Mm. Almost going on two years. So he's so they're in empty. There's no help for Falele. The right tackle, Morgan Moses, is not having his best day. And they're up against the best defensive line in football. It's a straight drop back. So Lamar is not on the move. He's not booted out. He doesn't have vision. If he boots to the right, he probably sees Duvernay. But it's a straight drop. Both tackles get absolutely obliterated at the point of attack right off the snap. Lamar is not the biggest quarterback in the world. Russo's like 6'7". He's got his hands up. Game over. 
Game over. Everybody's think Mike Davis is 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 open on the other side. Mike Davis played one snap in that game. Why is Mike Davis on the field there? They don't trust Mike Davis. Why is Mike Davis on the roster? It's true. It's true. He's not looking at Mike Davis. He's no. going to Andrews or Duvernay. That's, That's who we right. trust. Yes. He can't get to Duvernay. It's not. It's a great concept. Not out of empty. Not against that team. Not on that day. Their short yardage offense has been bad. Um, they only the short yardage only works when they hand it off to the fullback Pat Ricard. So. But I get why – I know why Harbaugh did what he did. And I, I don't have an issue with that. Some people in this town do. I don't because he doesn't have a defense. Well, listen, the way you just explained it, and for everybody's watching who's watching right now in the huddle, you now know what's going on with the Ravens. Because if we were behind closed doors and we had that, coach with, uh, had that conversation with Coach and he was forthcoming and said that, you'd go, okay, I get it. I would have went for it too. But as fans, we don't know that, right? And we're going, what the hell is Harbaugh doing? The way you just laid it out, Jason, it's plain and simple. You got lack of playmakers, offensive line issues. The play call was the play call. But at the end of the day, if I don't trust the guys to go back out there and get a stop, I got to go for it. So it's a great example of what's going on around the league. It's in the huddle, guys. Make sure you subscribe. Carl Dukes, Jason Lacanfora, and Brian Baldinger every week, Tuesday, Thursdays with you. I want to move forward and talk about the Packers because <laughs> Bailey Zappi? I mean, getting right around and look plays. Here's the scary thing for the Green Bay Packers Bailey Zappi looked better coming in with no prep in that game to face the Green Bay Packers on the road at Lambeau Field than Jordan Love has ever looked in a preseason game. I've never seen Jordan Love look that good in a preseason game against UPS truck drivers than Bailey Zappi looked against their vaunted defense with no prep. No playmakers. I mean, you see, Jonu Smith goes down, right? Jacoby Myers has been out. I mean, it's like <clears throat> Devontae Parker went for 150 against the Ravens, but that almost doesn't count because it was against the Ravens. Um, like, and he's running around there giving them giving New England a lead. I I don't know what Jordan Love is. Okay. Part of me feels bad. This is a completely sidebar, okay, from the game. Packers win 27-24. We'll get back into it. But but I kind of feel bad because you drafted the kid, and it's almost like Aaron Rodgers grabbed his sack and went, hold on, wait a minute. You'll never see the field, right? And then he goes, one MVP, two MVPs. I don't know what Jordan Love is. But to your point, Zappi's on the sideline. And he's getting instruction from Belichick. It's almost as if they had, like, you know, uh, the the, uh, the playbook on a card where he just pulled it yeah. out and went, hey, okay, this is what we're going to do. The yeah. kid was incredible. I, I yeah. give him credit. Big time. Yeah. It was like an old-school Chinese food menu. We're going to take one from Group A, one from Group B, two from Group C, <laughs> go out there and figure it out. You know, run one of them on first down, one of them on second down. I mean, he's their third-string quarterback. He's a developmental kid who they didn't think was going to play at all. <clears throat> he's in the game. Yeah. Week four at Lambeau on a week where they're not even at full – like they don't have great skill players to begin with, and they're not even at full strength in that regard. Now, they were running the hell out of the football, and they continued to do that. Um, and that was, you know, his best friend and and will continue to be his best friend. Um, but, like, I don't know why you'd go back to Hoyer now. No. You know, I mean, Mac Jones is going to miss some time. Like, I, I, even if Hoyer's cleared or whatever, yeah, but let this like, I, I think you got you to give this kid all the reps now and yes. just, and let, until Mac Jones is back, it's all about, well, hey, you know what? We, I, one thing that Belichick has done that I don't think he gets enough credit for is his, Belichick, the GM, has swung and missed at a lot of draft picks. 
But he's found dudes who can play in the league in the mid-rounds at quarterback. You know what I mean? Like Garoppolo. That's right. Jacoby Brissett, like, is still playing, and he might be playing at a higher level than he ever has before. Um, and now he's a first early down play action quarterback. Like who thought that's what Jacoby Brissett would be in year 10 or whatever. But like Belichick's got a pretty good eye for that stuff. Um, so who knows? I, I mean, I, I I don't know that if you're going to have a quarterback controversy or not. But like for Bailey Zappi to come in and keep them in that football game and put them in position to win the football game was, was pretty special. Um, the problem for Bailey Zappi was fourth quarter, they couldn't win field position and he keeps starting drives from you know inside his own 20 inside his own 10 and now yeah. you're with limited personnel and you don't want the kid to blow the game for you so you know you could just tell each time Green Bay starting drives around the 50 you're like at some point they're gonna get enough points to win this game conservative I agree with you I, I thought because they weren't gonna put him in that position right to, to lose the game so let's see if we can get some plays and maybe we break one, we get in field position, but they weren't going to do anything crazy down the field. Um, while we're talking about quarterbacks, real quick, want to get your opinion on Kenny Pickett taking over in Pittsburgh and what the Cowboys are doing without Dak Prescott. So they beat the Commanders 25-10. It's the third win in a row for Cooper Rush. I don't believe in this quarterback controversy that you paid Dak all this money, Dak's sure. going to be the guy. But for Cowboy fans, they should be happy that they got a backup that they can rely on God forbid if something happens. What do you think about picking in, in Pittsburgh and what's going on in Dallas? Um, talked to some people in Pittsburgh Sunday night, wrote about this situation a little bit um, in my column at the Washington Post. Uh, look, Mike Tomlin. And by the way, let me say this. I love your I love your columns. If Thank you've you. not read Jason's columns, if you're new to Jason, over the years, this guy's been coming to the league for, for 25, 30 years. He is awesome. When not, I'm not quite that old. Close to, close to 20, but I'm not <laughs> but, you know, definitely not 25. Awesome. But, yes, but you're awesome when it comes to well, writing thank these you. columns. And I want to say that because we were talking about your column about the Cardinals last week, and I actually, actually use it on my national show on CBS Sports Radio. But I got to put that in there, man. Check out Jason's stuff. Um, go ahead. No, no, thank you very much. Um, and, look, no one was a stauncher defender of Trubisky than Mike Tomlin because Mike – Mike, it's it's amazing. You think of the length and breadth of Mike Tomlin's career, right? And he's coached through everything. I mean, for years he managed Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, and Antonio Brown, right? He's had, you know, James Harrison was there forever, right? Like he handled that. And he's, you know, guys like Joey Porter on his coaching staff almost starting fights with the bet. Like he's dealt with stuff, a lot of ish over the years. Seen it all, done it all. He's never bled in a rookie quarterback. He's never had to think about who's my quarterback. He's never had to spend one minute worried about what our offense might look like three Sundays from now, 18 Sundays from now, two years from now, and who's the best to get us there. He inherited Ben Roethlisberger, who was an ascending first-round talent who'd already won a Super Bowl. He had his warts, a lot of them. But, like, there was never any question of who my quarterback is. And Ben was an ox. He didn't miss games. Yep. The only time he had to decide who my quarterback is is three years ago when Ben gets hurt and he flips a coin. Am I going to go, what was the key? Doc, Doc Hodges or Mason Rudolph, right? Yeah, that's, Rudolph, the, that's right? That's the closest he's ever had to come to say, like, well, which of these guys give me, gives me the best chance to win? No, Ben is never coming off the field. So now they get to this point where even last year with broken down Ben, they're, 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 in, they're, they're in the playoffs, right? And they're playing what it counts to amounts to playoff games the whole second half of the season. Everything's nick and tuck. 
They're still finding ways to win because of the defense and because of Mike Tomlin's coaching acumen and just because we're the Pittsburgh Steelers and we don't have losing seasons under Mike Tomlin. So he's thinking, well, these guys gravitate to Trubisky immediately. Everybody loves him. He's got a great vibe. He's been in the league. He's won games. He's lost games. He's seen some ish, right? He became the fall guy for a lot of stuff in Chicago that wasn't all on him. And if my defense is still what I think it is, and if a couple of these offensive linemen click and we can get Najee going, I'm going to ride this guy. And and I've won with I mean, Ben Stunk the last two years. It's just the reality. They weren't pushing the ball downfield. You know, it was medicine balls over the middle for Juju. Three yards, get hit, run. And they still were one of the better teams in the league. But now we're sitting there at halftime, and Mitch has two passing touchdowns all year, and nothing's working, and we can't run the ball. We can't throw the ball. The only quarterback in the league who's got a worse rating than Trubisky is Justin Fields, and they're not even letting him throw the ball at all. No. So, like, what are we going to do? And this kid is a better athlete, and this kid is gung-ho. And this kid's going to try to push the ball down the field in a way that Mitch has probably already been hammered into him. Don't do it. Don't like Mitch is so risk averse at this point. So let's see if he gives us a spark. And he did. Like he comes out and he throws a pick. But what happened? I mean, that's what happens in a lot of these situations. The kid's in for the first time. Adrenaline's flowing. His heart's pumping through his chest. I want to show I belong. The second pick, ask anybody in Pittsburgh. They'll say, that's on Claypool. You got we, we We need more from that out of you, bro. You want a second payday here. You want more than your rookie contract. We need more than that on that ball. And the third one's a Hail Mary at the end of the game in desperation mode because the defense broke. The levy right. broke. Right. The kid ran for two touchdowns. The other 10 passes were all completed. He's spreading the ball around. And so Mike Tomlin's sitting there saying, all right, I've got to embrace this other thing. Now, as we're recording this, he hasn't told people what his decision is. People on his staff, people in that building, everybody believes that – their new quarterback moving forward is Kenny Pickett, and he's their starter from here on out. And it is about getting Kenny Pickett to a point where he's better four weeks from now, eight weeks from now, and that he comes into next year with three-quarters of a season of development. He's already seen that stuff. The league's adjusted to him. He's had a chance late in the season to readjust. And maybe he brings something that does unlock Najee Harris. Like maybe they can get the running game going. And if we get the running game going – and our defense isn't on the field as much, we might be all right. But this is new terrain for Tomlin. It is. <laughs> it is. And because you have an established future Hall of Famer and big man, you know, guys coming to these, these coaching jobs, it's rare. You fall into that, and then you get to benefit from it for as long as Tomlin has. And now this is your call, right? You drafted That's him. It. This is your guy. you got to find a way to make it work. Or – if it's not working, be ready to move on from it in a pretty quickly, you know, quick fashion. Well, and, and we're not there yet, but I'm saying I agree with you when you say I thought Kenny Pickett played great in the preseason. Some people think the preseason is bullcrap, right? Yeah. I don't. I'm watching for certain things, and I said, this kid has it. Now, is he seeing, you know, blah defenses and right. pressures coming from all over the field? No. But I saw something in him, and I I was surprised that he didn't start the season there. But you said it. They invested the money. They brought Trubisky in. But now I think you just got to cut bait and go, this is our guy. He's our, yeah. he's our guy. Yeah. And the defense, look, they, they really feel like T.J. Watt's back in two weeks for that Tampa game. If not mm -hmm. then, certainly the week after. But they've never won a game without him. So, I mean, are you going to ride that out with Trubisky because you think maybe – 
something clicks or that risk averse ball will be okay when Watt comes back. Well, the bottom line is but you, also, you also might be one in seven by then. You know what I mean? And it might be all hopes lost. The guy who's under the microscope more than ever now is the offensive coordinator, Matt Canada. And this will be these, these this whatever 13 game sample size or whatever it turns out to be. This will be Matt, Matt Canada's. Um, th- this will be the verdict on Matt Canada. Like, does his stuff work in the NFL? Is he going to be the long-term coordinator for Kenny Pickett? Or are they going and getting somebody else next year? That 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 will be the next sort of shoe to fall. Or that's the next big decision for Tomlin come January, February. Is there somebody else out there who we think can get Pickett to the next level? If Matt Canada doesn't show us enough in the final, you know, three quarters of the season. So what happened with Canada? I mean, I'm going back a few years, and we were talking about him being the next big thing, right? Offensive mind. Was it personnel where he was previously? And, and why? Well, I mean, what, what what happened with Canada? Because I still think he yeah. can be a great play caller at times. I, I am a little biased. I, I watched what he did here at the University of Maryland under great duress when they had a young man you know, die from complications on a practice field and Canada's coming in as like the interim head coach while DJ Durkin's under investigation. And I know a lot of people at, at you know, College Park. I, I live 40 minutes from there. And I heard a lot of really good things about Matt Canada. Um, you know, and Mike Tomlin has a son who went to the University of Maryland, was recruited while Canada was there. And he paid a lot of attention to that program. And he obviously was like, wow, look what they're doing with not a whole lot of, uh, you know, pieces. And I think Matt Canada to this point, I don't know what to make him of in the NFL because he was saddled with late stage Ben Roethlisberger who nobody was going to let him bench if he wanted to, because he won for the Rudy family. He's a made man. Like you, you can't bench him and you, can, you definitely can't bench him for Mason Rudolph. So he's got to try to make that thing work with a declining offensive line um, at that point in time, before they drafted Najee, not really a featured runner, uh, not a great, not not a great set of circumstances, and certainly Ben Roethlisberger and his offense was never a fit. And then the next guy he gets is Trubisky, who's never done anything, looks like a bust. Yes, he's athletic. Yes, there's some things you might be able to work with, but there's a reason you got him when you got him for what you got him for, right? And after three and a half weeks, it's clear. He's not good enough. So I think now is when you say, all right, we can we, we'll wipe all that clear. And we get that Pickett's got his limitations too. But we all evaluated. We all saw him play right down the road at Pitt in our stadium. They'd share a facility with us. We're all in on this. Make I, I want to see January Kenny Pickett be a lot better than October Kenny Pickett. I want to see Pittsburgh Steelers offensive football be more robust and and – and have more ways to potentially beat you in January than what we've seen these first four weeks. And I think that's what the evaluation will be. I think it starts now. People in that building are smart and savvy enough to know, like we've been trying to make chicken salad out of chicken, you know what, for a long time around here. And this kid's going to make mistakes. It's not about getting Kenny Pickett to play perfect football or mistake-free football. It's about where does this offense grow now that we have – this kid running. Great stuff. Jason Lockup for Carl Dukes. Brian Boldinger will be with us on Thursday. 
in the huddle. Subscribe. Make sure you don't miss any episodes, guys. We take you inside of the NFL every week. All right, last thing. We got to talk about it. Biggest surprise so far. Giants, Seahawks, Falcons, who are 2-2, two and two, yeah. or the Jets. Biggest surprise of the season wow. so far. I, I might say Falcons. You know, and you're down there. You're much closer to it than me. And I like Arthur Smith a lot. I, I like him personally. I think he's a really good dude. But when he comes out there and says, y'all wrote us off in May and said we're the 42nd team in the league and this or that, like I was like, bro, you got a long season to go. Like I yeah. don't know that that's the approach you want to take then. Um, and But it seems to have – lit some sort of a spark under them. I think most of those teams are certainly Seattle and Atlanta. They're going to play weird games every week. Like right. there's going like there, it's not going to be normal football. It's not going to be normal game flow. There's going to be wild oscillations and ebbs and flows where you think they suck. You think they can't make a play. And then you, you look back on the red zone and say, wait a minute, that's a one score game now. Like, and it could be either way. It could be them coming from behind. It could be them blowing a lead. Like, it's just not – it's not going to be normal. Um, and I almost lean Atlanta, too, because, like, what, Kyle Pitts doesn't even get the football. Like, I, I, I'm thinking it's like they're going to build this thing around Kyle. He's just along for the ride. He's a passenger. He gets in where he fits in. Hey, we haven't thrown to him in two quarters. Try to throw to the big tight end, the freaking nature. Throw to him. It's it's unbelievable. No, listen. Yeah, you know, but they're like what, they're what in, they've been in all these games. They've been in all these games at various yeah. points in time. You could take three plays out and they're four and zero. Oh. You could probably take four plays out and they're zero and four. But they're winning football games, and early in the year they're winning football games where I'm old enough to remember the Dimitrov Matt Ryan. Like they thought the season started at Halloween. Well, let's just go one and six and see what happens. See if it lights a fire under us. <laughs> yes, it's a great point. Listen. All these teams, all these teams, Giants, Saquon, Saquon looks back, right? Yeah. And I love the Brian Dable hire. Me I think he's a, the GM hire with Shane and, and him, yeah. I think that's going to work. Me too. The Seahawks give credit. I give credit um, to Pete Carroll. And Gino, Gino is playing way Gino's better. playing great. Right? They got no defense. I mean, Zero. they got no defense. The and Lions then, backups hung 50 on them. The Lions had nobody in that game. No DeAndre Swift. We got no wide receivers. Oh. Hawkinson hasn't seen the ball all year. Let's just throw to Hawkinson in the second half and see what happens. Oh, he put up 48 points on the road. Yeah, killed him. And then the Jets obviously right beat Zach back. You know, all of these teams need to be recognized. But I'm with you, and I'm not biased. I'm going to tell you this, Jason. We're talking about the biggest surprise of the, of the so, uh, season so far. The reason why I'm going to say Falcons is, one, talent on the team. Okay? Just from a personnel standpoint. The reason why I really like Arthur Smith is because if you're doing this now yeah. and you're going to go into the offseason and have a an open checkbook because yep. they were so far under the cap, they're going to have as much yep. money as anybody to spend. Yep. And you're doing this with the lack of talent now. What are you going to do when you get some real playmakers and some guys that you can add to what you're doing? I think that is the most intriguing thing to me. And right now you're winning with Marcus Mariota, who threw it seven for 19 last yep. week. You're winning with Kyle Pitts catching one ball for 25 yards. You're winning, right? You lost two games by five points, which yeah. gets back to your point that you could be 4-0. Oh. 
I think they are the most surprising team because coming into the season, losing Matt Ryan after 15 years, being so far under the salary cap where they couldn't spend really any money, he's got these guys buying in. So they'll be competitive. I'm not going to tell you they're going to go to the playoffs, but I'm, right. I'm, I do think the Giants and the Seahawks and the Jets all deserve credit as well as to where we are right now in the season. No, I'm, I'm with you. And Atlanta's getting – like I, I'm not going to sit here and say I think it's a good defense, but like they get timely stops. Like they – Deep that's yeah. Dean Yes. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm shocked um, that they're as competitive as, as they are. Uh, but the quarterback is, yeah. I mean, that's the, it's the issue. I mean, uh, we listen. We don't skate on this show, right? It's the issue. It's you just talked about Trubisky and, and his. I don't want to call it scared, but his inability to take the risk, as you talked about. And I think Marcus is in that same mindset. Yes, yes. yes. Right? Yes. It's been beaten into his head. Just don't bleep this up. Throw it in the fifth row of the stands before you try to hit that guy who's quasi-covered, you know, uh, blazing down the sidelines. No doubt. Jason, always fun, man. I'm looking forward to Thursday. We'll look ahead to what's coming up this Sunday. We'll talk about, obviously, the Thursday night game as well. But, guys, make sure you subscribe, like us, tell your friends about us. In the huddle, Jason Lock on 4, Brian Baldinger, again, will be with us. I'm Carl Dukes. Thanks for hanging out with us in the huddle.